All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Our recording on the Monday evening here for our Wednesday drop for March 22nd. Uh, and just a reminder at home, we're obviously in our two weeks here now as we progress through our offseason that we're not recording every single week, but we record uh, once every two weeks and try and do a little bit of a recap of uh, where we're at. Um, obviously, right now we're at the NFL free agency and kind of that uh, little bit of a period as we progress into uh, the the offseason period leading up to uh, draft time. So um, before we get started here, we'll say hello to Zach. We're, we're a man down our man down this week, uh, Armin and his family are taking care of a few things there with uh, with one of their kids was not doing uh, great there. So Armin's taking care of the family this week and just leaves me and Zach here to take care of business. So Zach, uh, last couple of weeks, uh, it's been keeping you busy. Uh, well, we'll be talking a lot about it today, but free agency has been keeping me quite busy. Um, I've been a pretty absentee uh, teacher and husband the past week, just trying to get in as much screen time as I can. I've probably spent, I don't know, I bet if I looked at my screen time on my phone, maybe double to what I do normally, just refreshing and uh, searching players' names and uh, really being an internet sleuth, trying to find out anything I can about people that are visiting the Pats, people that the Pats sign, uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, between that and March Madness, it's been a it's been a busy it's been a busy week for sure. I don't know if you've been touching touch, or uh, touched into the March Madness at all, but that's uh, that's consumed a lot of my screen time. It's seems like looking out for agency on my phone and March Madness on the TV. It seems like this this last last couple of days. But I had my my last class for this like set of classes for this last one here. So I'm done classes now until July. And then in July, I'll finish my last two classes and I'll be completely done my master. So it was, uh, it was, you know, uh, uh, you know, a good a catch 22. Cause I was happy that classes are done, but it, I had to sit through class the entire weekend when it was really, really nice weather this past weekend, but happy to be talking about football. That's for sure. So then do you have to do your, uh, like your major capstone, capstone over the summer? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to start that right away here. We already got the information and what kind of what it needs to encompass and whatnot. And, and as you know, it's not, it's not the shortest of projects, that's for sure. So I'm going to try and get a jump start on that here, but we'll, uh, we'll see what that entails. That's for sure. Um, getting things going here. We'll start with the insider or sorry, uh, before we get to insiders and highlights, sorry, we'll get the 22 fresh quick question of the week. And this one's a fun one. And, uh, you know, I, I can almost do a whole episode of, of you know, this kind of segment, I guess, but, um, the whole premise of what the off season is, it seems like is, you know, buy, buy low, sell high. That's kind of what the whole dynasty off season seems like at least. And everybody trying to get the drop or the scoop on somebody before that, you know, the, the perceived value of that player skyrockets or drops or what have you. Uh, so for this 22, uh, 22 fresh quick question of the week, we're going to focus on that. And the question is right now, who is somebody that you either see like as a buy low or a sell high and that window is right now. Uh, cause coming up to draft season that, uh, it could get, you know, diminished or, or skyrocket to the point where either you can't sell that player or you can't buy that player. And, uh, I'm curious to see, we'll start with Zach here. Who's somebody that, uh, you know, is that perceived buy low or sell high? And that window you can see closing come draft season. So in a few months, I might be having a pie on my face for this one, but um, I'm interested in selling high on Terrence Marshall. Um, Right now, arguably wide receiver one for the Carolina Panthers, Um, especially um, after 
the the Panthers only signing uh, Thielen and not and not Shark, who they both had in for um, visits the past couple of days. So with with DJ Moore gone, I think a lot of people might consider uh, Terrence Marshall as a, as a breakout candidate. Um, the GM there in Carolina spoke quite glowingly about Marshall um, at the combine when his name was brought up. But Thielen, or sorry, uh, Marshall is somebody that has had two less than spectacular seasons uh, while he's in the NFL. And granted, he's had less than superb quarterback play. But if I could sell him right now to somebody that's just trying to um, get ahead of the curve and take advantage of the barren receiving room in Carolina, I would consider doing that uh, quite quickly, I think. Um, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, they don't really scare me. But the the 39th overall pick in the upcoming draft does give me some pause. Um, I could see a situation where one of those top three or four wide receivers falls to the beginning of the second round and the Panthers might pounce on on that player, whether it be a Quentin Johnson, a Zay Flowers, um, the guy out of uh, SC, uh, Jordan Addison, I think, yeah. Somebody like that that slips a little bit, I wouldn't be shocked if they made a play for him. It's a good point. Uh, and there's a lot of things that have to go right for for his value to, you know, maintain where it's at. Like, there's a lot of – as soon as, you know, people are talking about the names, and then there's a perceived increase of value because everybody's talking about him. So – you hear his name, hear his name, hear his name. It's like, okay, if I'm going to start trying to make some trades, I'm looking around and whose who's name have I been seeing a lot? Oh, okay, well, I've been seeing this name a ton and I've been seeing it because of these reasons, like you mentioned. It's There's a lot of things that people forget that there's a lot of things that have to go right for him to be successful. And just because he's the perceived one doesn't mean it's going to pan out because look, like you said, look what he's done the last couple of years. It's, it's not like we have uh, a guy like, for example, um, a, a wide receiver that's been mediocre or above average with bad quarterback play and all of a sudden gets really good quarterback play, you know, like uh, um, I'm thinking like an example of like Stefan Diggs, where he was, he was, you know, above average, like a very good wide receiver, but not like incredibly great. And then he goes to get Josh Allen. All of a sudden he's a, he's a locked and loaded wide receiver one. It's, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a guy that's been a wide receiver five or six at best that might be able to climb up to a wide receiver two, three. So if you can capitalize on that value, like you mentioned, I think that's something that's definitely worth doing. Um, mine here is kind of the same boat as you. You said, you know, this is one of those ones where you, you could turn around and you could look like an idiot by doing so. Um, but we talked about it last episode two weeks ago when there was the, the franchise tagging of Tony Pollard and the conversations of what's going to happen with Zeke. And everybody thought, you know, well, because they franchise tagged them they're gonna obviously keep Zeke around and and we'll get to a little bit here that Zeke is moving on or they, the team has moved on from Zeke um that now Tony Pollard is the guy and if you if you've been a Tony Pollard manager you've been holding on to this moment forever i.e Zach we talked about this you were rather excited about Tony Pollard possibly being the guy to carry the load on your dynasty team and had him on for a long time but now he is the guy and there's no way that uh, Dallas is going to go into the season with just Tony Pollard. They already had a quote of Jerry Jones, and I shared it two weeks ago, that Jerry Jones said that they're really interested in, and possibly would take a running back in the first round. Now, I think it's their 20, 
I want to say they're the 26th pick in the draft. I can't remember what's top of my head. I'm going to have to quickly vet that. But uh, do I think that um, that the number one, you know, like everybody's pretty excited about this big dynasty pick, this big Bijan Robinson. Do I think he's going to get to the 26th? It's hard to say. Uh, but there's a couple other uh, running backs I think are a sneaky to be later in the first round or early second rounders as well. Um, so the, do the chances of them going into the season with just uh, – uh, with just Tony Pollard is pretty unlikely. And right now the the value is probably not going to get any higher uh, of Pollard and he's still got to recover from a knee injury. So right now uh, I think if I could be flipping that into a, like a high end first round pick or um, maybe a veteran running back, that's a lot more proven and a lot more steady. Like I know there's a lot of uncertainty like around Delvin cook right now. Maybe that's something that you could try and get done if you're a, a win now type team or even, you know, Delvin Cook and picks, you know, it's because of the said uncertainty. That's something that I'd be looking to do, uh, even though Tony Pollard on a, what <laughs> they're going to transition to this run first offense. Uh, I just can't see it being Tony Pollard. Only if you look at his snap share over the last couple of years, he's always flirting around that 30, 40% of, of snap shares. And he's an explosive running back. He's not a, a workhorse running back. So um, a lot of uncertainty still, like I mentioned with Tony Pollard, but there's a lot of hype because he is the guy at the moment, but those, uh, those dreams could get squashed pretty quick come, uh, come draft season. If you, would you be interested in moving them, Zach? Prices well, are- not to you, not to you, uh, that, uh, that 110 in this, uh, in this draft class isn't too, too exciting to me, but yeah, I think if somebody, if somebody came to me in, in our dynasty, one QB, uh, 10 team and somebody offered me shoot let's say like one one seven to one five that would be pretty enticing because just off the top of my head yeah you'd have uh vision robinson uh jsn um i don't know flowers quentin johnson uh addison there like those are the kind of like the top five picks, I think. Then you're looking at the guys like Jamari Gibbs, running back out of Alabama. Um, and then there's just like a, a total crap shoot at the RB3 to RB5 range. I don't know. That's Charbonneau. I like him quite a bit. Out of uh, UCLA? Yeah. Yeah, so there's – I just don't think there's much – or as much value as, as outside of the top – six, seven picks as, as Tony Pollard could give you a healthy Tony Pollard yeah. could give you. So that's what I mean. Like if like there, he still has to overcome an, an injury and then there's still the likelihood that they bring somebody else in there. But if it's not all the realm of possibility that somebody's going to be offering you that mid to early ish first round pick in a, in a single Q league. And to me, like that's something that I'd be taking to the bank for sure, because we haven't really seen Tony Pollard by himself. And I don't think you're going to see him by himself. And we don't know how many guys have we seen come back healthy from a knee injury? Lots. But how many guys have we seen that lose a step or it takes a long period of time to come back? Plenty, plenty of that. So I know there, there's even, <laughs> it's a, it's a crapshoot in the rookie draft too, but that rookie draft has its own perceived value that when the draft comes, you can flip that into something bigger or whatever. Like I said, you can get a veteran RB that's been you know, dynamite. That's been unbelievable over the last couple of years with draft capital. And that's, a pretty likely possibility, like even like um, like a guy like Derrick Henry, he's super old. And if you're a Derrick Henry manager, the chances are you probably want to get rid of him 
because he's on his last legs. But in, in that situation, you probably get Derrick Henry in a pick or Derrick Henry in a prospect for Tony Pollard because everybody's talking about him. Everybody's talking about the situation, about the Cowboys and Zeke gone. And, okay, that means Pollard's the guy. That window will be closing. I can promise you that. There's no way they just go into the season with Tony Pollard alone. Um, speaking of, I guess we kind of dropped a few little pieces of uh, news and whatnot, but we'll uh, maybe we'll get into that. And uh, for those of you at home, like we mentioned before, the the off season is a little bit different. Uh, we I, I promise that every episode in the off season isn't just talking about insiders and headliners, but this is our free agency recap episode. There's a lot that's happened in this last two weeks from the moment we stopped recording uh, two weeks ago to well even now uh even even we're about to start recording Devlin Singletary signs a deal so it's it's continuously ongoing even after we finish recording there's still gonna be some signings there's still some names that are out there there's the Lamar Jackson saga that I think is starting to heat up we're getting some rumors that are coming out in Twitter a little bit more today uh so there'll be lots of stuff that are happening but we're gonna give you the quick recap of what has happened so far in uh in free agency and then a couple of our favorite signings and not so great signings we'll give a couple great values to to a few of them so no further ado we'll get to our insiders and headliners today i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story i'm ron burgundy well, the first one we'll talk about, I think, was the fact that Zach had the inside scoop on this one. I was getting my skate sharpened last weekend, and all of a sudden, Zach goes, wow, boys, you guys see that trade? And I was like, no, first round, first overall pick's gone. Like, no, I was looking through, trying to figure out where on Twitter or what, what social media platform Zach found it. And then finally, about maybe five minutes, not quite five minutes later, all the, you know, the TSNs, the sleeper platforms, all the other platforms were we're sharing all the information about this tweet. So I don't know where Zach found the information first, but it seemingly he had the inside scoop, I guess, but Chicago bears trade the first overall pick, which I think for the most of us, we saw this coming, but I, I think the first thing I said to Zach was I didn't see it coming this quick. Like I kind of assumed that Chicago would hold out until the draft was getting closer or like moments before the draft when they could get the most value. But I think the conversation that we had was how did they not say yes to this deal for, for what Chicago was getting returned. So they gave it the first overall pick. They got the ninth pick this this year, so that was the position where Carolina was in. And they also got the 61st pick in this upcoming draft. They got a 2024 first, a 2025 second, and they also got wide receiver DJ Moore, uh, who was kind of that um, you know stalwarts, steady Eddie kind of wide receiver uh, in in uh, Carolina. So a huge return for 101. And now the speculations of who the team's going to take. I know the the quarterback coach has already kind of come out and said, you know, who he likes and why he likes players, not necessarily for the one-on-one, just a guy that he's really excited about. But now the speculation begins and, and um, Zach, there's one that I'm, I'm curious uh, from your perspective, do you think like, I know we talked about like, how do you not say no to that? But do you think if Chicago holds all a little bit more and they start kind of catching wind of what teams are offering that maybe they could have got a little bit more. But to me, I think that Chicago definitely fleeced uh, Carolina in this situation. Yeah, I think the the hard part for me, um, I guess in value here is DJ Moore. Um, I think it would be quite quite possible for a lot of teams to offer them um, an early pick swap this year, uh, an additional first, and then maybe a third first. Um, but here you got the pick swap this year, going from one to nine. Uh, next year's first, uh, and then a couple of uh, seconds, but but DJ Moore, I think that's that's the 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 one that really swung it 
for them, I think, for Chicago uh, to make that trade. Um, DJ Moore is better than any receiver that you're going to get this year. And he's a sure thing. So even if going into next year, somebody like Marvin Harrison Jr., receiver out of uh, Ohio State, seems to be pretty slick, but he's not a for sure thing. Whereas DJ Moore is a established NFL receiver. So I think that value was, like you mentioned, too good to pass up. And I don't know if many other teams would be able to offer a similar um, package. Where you look at maybe Indy, they could offer, you know, going from from one to four, but they'd have to get rid of Pittman. I don't know if you value Pittman or if they value Pittman the same way as as DJ Moore. Um, maybe a team like Oakland. Yeah, they could do that, but do they want to take on Devontae Adams? So um, I think this made a lot of sense for, for both teams. Yeah, like DJ Moore was a first-round pick. He was drafted 24th position in the 2018 draft. Like He was a first-rounder. And even when you talk about Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman wasn't a first-rounder. He was a – was he early second? I think so, yeah. Fifth pick in the second round. Like, that's, people forget that DJ Moore is a really good wide receiver. And just because he hasn't put up the huge fantasy numbers we've seen the last couple of years, he's had terrible quarterback plays his entire career. But um, he hasn't put up these massive, you know, numbers that we're expecting DJ Moore to put up. But he is super important to that offense and was, you know, the, the go-to target for for the quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see what that dynamic brings for Justin Fields. I, I don't know if that means a huge fantasy input for DJ Moore just because uh, the, the option number one for Chicago is to get it done on the ground. Um, but I still see DJ Moore is going to be the number one target. Darnell Mooney will be uh, probably a close second and then, Chase Claypool somewhere down the line if he's still on this team next year, even though they gave up uh, uh, of the very, very early second rounder for him. But it, the the whole idea, I think we talked about the same thing about Jalen Hurts last year, was you got to find out what you have him. You know he got the legs. You know he's got the capability of busting a 98-yard touchdown at any moment. But can he get it done with his arm? And what did Philadelphia do? Loaded him up with weapons and see what happens. And we saw what happens. Jalen Hurts was a borderline MVP this year. And now – we're going to see the same thing with Justin Fields. If he succeeds, they got their guy, they got their weapons, but if he struggles, then they got to make, make some tough decisions down the road, but you got the weapons to support him. And now it's just find out what Chicago does. And Chicago had a ton of money. Like I think they had the most amount of money to spend this free agency. And they were actually so low that they had to like, they literally had to spend money. So they didn't, they would have got fine because they were so under the budget, whatever the amount of money you have to spend. Um, I can't remember. It works over like a two or three year period. Anyways, regardless, um, can't remember exactly how the entire um, the budget works, but um, a ton of money to spend, and they're getting even strong defensively too. So this is going to be a team that rebuilt pretty quickly, especially if uh, these trades and and these early picks kind of pan out for that team. Especially in a division like the NFC North, that's completely up for grabs. Like anybody can win the NFC North next year. The one thing that I found funny um, on Monday uh, a week ago was. It was rumored that Mike McGlinchey, uh, the right tackle, formerly of the 49ers, was was going to sign with the Bears, uh, a position of need for Chicago. And then maybe 20 minutes later, uh, Schefter reports that the Broncos came in and and got McGlinchey to sign with them. And uh, it was hard not to laugh because, like you said, Chicago had all, all this money and right tackles a position of need for them and then they just get beat out financially like you they had i mean they had something like obscene like 
over a hundred million in cap space. Like you don't get veto in my mind when you have that kind of money. Especially like you said, a position of need and a position of scarcity around the league. You know, there's not just right tackles coming on the woodworks. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe you don't want to spend, maybe they didn't want to spend more than that amount on McGlinchey who maybe they just viewed him as like slightly above average, but you have all that money. Like yeah, don't, fine. don't pinch pennies. That's where you, when you have a hundred million to spend. That's where these teams that have a ton of money, I know I understand just front end load that deal. So it says it's the money against your cap or money against your budget in those first couple of years, but then it's easy to get out of that deal later on in the career. Like you see so many teams that are trying to push the money towards the back end of the deal right now, just so they can try and make it the win now situations. And then they'll steal with the cap when it comes like the Matt Ryan deal is one of the first ones that comes to mind. But I understood when teams like this, when they have so much money front end load the crap out of that deal and then if it doesn't pan out or all of a sudden something else comes down the woodwork, it's just easy to get out of that deal later on when you have less cap space than, than you do right now. It's, it's something I just don't understand. And obviously I'm not a, I'm not an upper management of, uh, of an NFL team. I obviously won't understand the ins and outs here, but like you mentioned, like, why are you trying to nickel and dime yourself when you have like almost doubled the second team in line for cap space? It's just, it doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, talking, let's keep going through some trades here. Uh, some of them are a little bit on the lesser side down the line here, but this one's an interesting one. The Chargers have granted RB Austin Eckler permission to seek a trade. The two are trying to work out on a, on a deal right now, and uh, the talks have not gone well. So Austin Eckler had requested it, and the, the permission had been granted. Uh, is this something that you see that might actually happen, Zach? And uh, Or do you think that the, a deal will come, come forward with for Austin Eckler? <laughs> Isn't this kind of how Austin Eckler came to be? In yeah, a sense, it's exactly uh, it. Melvin yeah. Gordon yeah. was in a contract dispute and it was Eckler's time to shine. That's exactly right? how so it happens. Coming full circle here. Who's the, um, who's the undrafted running back in uh, Chargers? We'll pick him up off the waiver wire because it's going to come full circle. Yeah. So, like right now in front of me, I have over the cap open on my phone and, and Eckler's only making it. It seems like uh, a base salary of six point two five million, um, which certainly doesn't, I don't think, aligns with with his value and his play on the field. Uh, being one of, if not the top running back right now in the league, but he's going into his age twenty eight season. Uh, running backs typically don't last much longer, so I see why he wants to go and get paid. Um, I just don't know if other teams are going to be falling over themselves to go and uh, trade for him and then give him a nice big contract um, with somebody that has missed a game or two here here or there with injuries. Um, and then the teams that could afford to do it, the teams with, with a lot of cap space, they they aren't a team. They aren't teams that are in positions to succeed. Like, like we just talked about, Chicago could go get them, but like. You're not there yet as a team yeah, for what for what purpose? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a tough, it's tough, tough sledding to be a running back trying to get paid in the NFL now, especially after teams have learned their lessons on these these big massive contracts, and then the RBs could be out of the league within minutes, like we've seen with some very very fantasy relevant names in the last couple of years. So, um, the Raiders. This is another big one. This one happened. Uh, see, I think it was about two or three days after uh, we finished the recording. But the Las Vegas Raiders have traded tight end Darren Waller to the New York Giants. Uh, in return 
the Raiders received a third round pick, which is going to be pick 100 in this upcoming draft. So this one's a bit of an interesting one because I know in our tight end frenzy or tight end matchmaker, sorry, last one, um, I was trying not to piece a tight end to uh, to the Giants because I was super excited about uh, Ballinger. And I thought, you know, Ballinger's kind of the real deal. Had a really, really nice rookie season. And obviously New York Giants uh, thought otherwise on this one. So Waller goes there. This is an interesting one, though, in a sense of some of the signings that happened with uh, with the Raiders. So I'm curious to see who the Raiders bring in or or who they draft or how they try and replace that because Waller was such a major piece of that offense. Obviously, Devontae Adams has kind of taken over as the the one in that offense, but that's a that's a team that is struggling for weapons right now too. So I'm curious they they made a couple free agent moves, but I'm curious what they're going to do in the draft because there's some there's some holes that are going to be filled, especially for Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo, who we'll talk about shortly. But I think this is an interesting one for what is that they're going to turn into, or what does this team do come free or come uh, uh, come draft season just to try and fill some fill some voids. Uh, another one that happened, Houston Texans traded Brandon Cooks to Dallas. This one happened just uh, a few days ago over the weekend. Uh, they received a fifth and sixth round pick. This one fills the void of what Dallas was. They've been, they've been kind of pegged to OBJ for what seems like six, seven months now of OBJ's recovery time. And is he going to go there? Is he going to go there? And now he's ready to go. And his name was in the news and buzzing around for some signings. And, and note, Brandon Cooks on the move fills that void. And um, this one, I kind of hemmed and hawed about the the buy low and, and it's not really a buy low. It's kind of cheating a little bit, but I thought, you know, there might be some worried managers about CD lamb now that he's not the prime perceived primary target. Now that Brandon cooks is there, they're bringing another weapon is CD lambs target share going to go down. Uh, so that, yeah, my answer is uh, go buy, go buy, go buy. If there's somebody that's in your league, that's a little concerned about CD lamb right now, I'd be going to buy. Uh, there is the rumors that they're going to be trying to slow the offense down and trying to uh, run the ball a little more. But C.D. Lamb is an elite talent, and once again, a first-round pick. That's Those are hard to come by in fantasy football, and if somebody's really worried, I'd be jumping all over that. But uh, are you sharing the similar sentiment there, Zach? I saw you kind of you got a little caught off guard by that comment. Yeah, the uh, the C.D. Lamb part um, caught me off guard because actually on the way on the way home from work, I was thinking, because I saw your question before before I left, and I was kind of brainstorming in the car, who, sh- who should be my, my buy low or who should be my sell high? And, I thought Brandon Cooks would be a really good uh, buy low candidate potentially. Um, so the owner of, of Cooks might be thinking, okay, he's going to go to Chicago. He's going to go be the the number two target behind Lamb, etc. Um, maybe he just won't be getting the volume or the receptions uh, that he was previously in uh, in Houston. So I thought he might be a good buy low candidate, depending on the. Uh, the feelings of his owner and obviously a substantial quarterback upgrade for Brandon cooks here in the matter of minutes. Cause went from, it was as close to a holdout as you can get. He was just in quote unquote injured this entire, entire season, but had very poor quarterback player over the last two years. And, and this year, obviously injuries aside the year prior to, he actually had a pretty good season and it was a PPR machine. And that's kind of been his MO throughout, throughout his career. So uh, interesting one there, especially cause you might be able to, they but the two are might be eating into each other a little bit here on this perceived value. Might be able to buy low on both of them if whatever to each your own. Brandon Cook's obviously st- substantially cheaper than pursuing CD Lamb, but definitely a, a good offense that you're going to want pieces of regardless. 
there weren't many teams that Cooks could go to where it would be a step down in quarterback play. <laughs> yeah. Like who who doesn't have a quarterback right now? And like I was gonna say uh, Indianapolis, but I guess they signed Minshew. But there's yeah, there's there's some teams that it's not it's not like there's very few that are that are worse off than what Houston was dealing with. Uh, a couple small trades. Uh, this one was New England traded tight end Jonah Smith to Atlanta. They signed Smith and signed Henry the same uh, offseason, if you remember, for going back. Uh, so now Jonah Smith now is going back to uh, a similar coaching staff that he was united with uh, from back when he was in uh, Arthur Smith, back when he was in Tennessee, now with Atlanta as well. So a little connection there. And then we just we I put this in here. It's going to continue to happen, but the talks between New York Jets and uh, Green Bay about Aaron Rodgers. It's kind of a lot of stuff floating around right now. Uh, still a lot up in the air. We don't really know exactly where we're going with that one. So uh, releases and cuts. Washington Commanders release running back J.D. McKissick. Kind of saw that one coming to do with the, a lot of injuries that uh, McKissick suffered and was struggling with over the over the past year and change. And then the Cowboys one. We we've talked about that at several lengths now. But the Zeke Elliott being moved. I'm just curious on and, and we've talked about how that impacts a little bit Tony Pollard quite a bit already but I'm curious Zach just out of out of thin air here um he's gonna end up somewhere if you had to pick a team or guess a team where do you think Ezekiel Elliott's gonna end up here this upcoming season if you had to make a random guess uh Buffalo that's that's a be a I think that'd be a not only a good fit but a like good fantasy fit too like it's gonna help Buffalo but that's a name where if you have Zeke I would be maybe trying to sell that if he ends up in Buffalo because other than touchdowns um buffalo doesn't run the ball a ton right and even in the red zone they like to throw the ball quite a bit but i i thought maybe um on the cheaper side of denver can get there just with the waiting for javante williams and right now denver seems to be getting all these big names from a handful of years ago russell wilson and and even the <laughs> coaching staff you know these big shiny names so that's one that just seems like maybe something that could be plausible but it all depends on how much money he's trying to look to get from these teams but just a fun question um We'll go, I guess, into our signings here. So this is where we're going to get a little bit of fun. And and a couple of these we threw a grading scale on. But, uh, Zach, you got our first one here. Uh, we're going to start by uh, – we're going to go by positions here. We'll go quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Uh, and then we'll conclude with uh, Zach's hot take this episode. So uh, you want to start this one off, Zach? We got uh, a quarterback you want to talk about. So this signing uh, with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders um, – Essentially swapping out Jimmy G and bringing, or rather swapping out Derek Carr and bringing in uh, Jimmy G. Um, I gave this a a B on the on the grading scale. Um, Jimmy G is somebody that can come in. Uh, he'll likely know the system from his time with McDaniel's in New England. Um, he's a he's a pros pro. He'll come in. He'll seemingly do a job. Uh, and the part that I like. Um, the most about this signing is it doesn't preclude them from using the seventh overall pick to potentially draft a a quarterback Will this, uh, this draft. Yeah, likely likely with the with the seventh overall pick, I would guess it will be Will Levis, um, unless something crazy happens and one of those other three uh, really drop, but. Um, if it was if they were going after uh Aaron Rodgers, for example, um that would presumably prevent them from bringing in that quarterback. And I think when you're in a position to draft a quarterback, 
in the first round, you have to take that opportunity. Um, like let's look at, uh, my, or not Miami, pardon me, uh, Washington right now. They had a chance several years ago to draft Tua, to draft Herbert. Um, they went with Chase Young, uh, a great talent, uh, a great player, a great prospect at the time. But they're still in that cycle of trying to find a, a competent long-term quarterback. And had they just taken one of those two when they had the opportunity, I believe their franchise would be at a different spot. So um, for for the sake of the Raiders, I hope they, they don't make that mistake. So uh, Jimmy G will be a good player for them this year, uh, but not good enough that he'll prevent them from making the right decision in the draft. Yeah, here's your uh, here's your Detroit Lions talk of the week. But that would have been uh, if that would have happened, like you know, Joe Burrow was the clear cut one on one. But then you would have had your pick at to whether it been Tua Herbert to that one five six. But the Lions, I was really hoping, and there was like rumors, but it seemed pretty unlikely. But Washington taking Chase Young, that he might have slipped, and that's who I was hoping as a Lions fan that we're end up getting. And again, Jeff Akuda, which at the time seemed like a nice little pick. He had a rough start, but had a really good last year. Um, but it took him a bit to become, you know, the pro in the NFL. But that would have been unbelievable as a Lions fan. I remember watching that, and it was during COVID, so there wasn't much a guy could do. I remember having a pizza and sitting there watching and thinking, oh, come on, baby, make it happen. And yeah, it, obviously, we know what happened in the 2020 draft, but um, it would have, that would have been uh, – that would have made it a pretty pretty interesting, especially with Miami. That was, you know, the, the quote-unquote tanking for Tua – and all of a sudden they get the 105 and get beat to two and they would have had Herbert and, you know, apples to apples to oranges here, who he's better. I guess you can argue which, uh, whichever you want, but that have made that draft a lot more interesting. Um, speaking of Miami, they ended up signing Mike White. This is an interesting one. You know, Mike White said I was waiting around for this whole Roger saga to, to conclude. And then if, you know, if the Jets miss out, then they like, Oh, Hey, Mike White here, here's your contract. He just went out, got paid. Uh, and this is, a, I think, a really good spot for him because obviously with the injury history, talking about Tua here, the injury history that he's had, there's a you know greater than likely chance that he ends up playing a couple games here and there. Or if not, if Tua, you know, knock on wood, God forsake that his injuries become so so bad that he's unable to play in the NFL any longer, that Mike White would just become the starter on a really good offense and, and a team that's high up on the Super Bowl possible rankings here. Uh, so I think this is a really good signing for him. And I didn't, I didn't grade this one, but it's one of those ones I think that's worth mentioning that this was a really good signing uh, Mike White to a two year, $16 million deal. Uh, and then a whole whack of like backup quarterbacks got signings this year, which was crazy. Let's go through them pretty kind of quickly. Uh, Sam Darno signs a one-year deal with San Francisco. Uh, Jeff, Jared Stidham, sorry, signs a two-year deal, 10 million uh, in Denver as their backup quarterback. Jameis Winston does the same. Uh, signs as a backup deal, but staying in New Orleans, this one, a uh, one-year $8 million deal. Uh, Taylor Heineke, who we were talking about the Washington Commanders previously, uh, he has signed a deal with Atlanta. And this was a higher end-up deal. It was worth upwards of $20 million over two years, which seems kind of expensive as a backup. But it was clear in the, the press conference that he is not going to be the starting quarterback. He will be the backup. But an opportunity for Taylor Heineke to possibly find himself back in a starting position like he has the last three seasons with Washington. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed quarterback Baker Mayfield to a one-year deal worth up to $8.5 million. So I guess him and Kyle Trask will go toe-to-toe here in the offseason to find out who will be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, P.J. Walker signs a backup deal with the Chicago Bears. 
And then Gardner Minshew signs a deal with Indianapolis Colts. And that's an interesting one too, because that's a team that needs a quarterback. Uh, the rumors are that they're going to sign a quarterback and uh, or they're going to draft a quarterback. Sorry. Um, looking like most likely Anthony Richardson or whoever else kind of drops out of those three. And Anthony Richardson is one of those ones that's been the, the talk is that, is he NFL ready? And if you feel at Indianapolis, he's not NFL ready, you want to give him time to produce or even halfway through the year, he takes over. Uh, Gardner Minshew is a very competent quarterback to be able to uh, get you over that that hump. Maybe it's a one year, maybe it's a six month stint as the starting quarterback. But we've seen Gardner Minshew find a lot of success in the NFL. So I'm, I think this is a really good deal for not only Gardner, but for the Indianapolis Colts as well. Uh, getting into the running backs, uh, Matt Breida resigns with New York Giants to be a pain in my ass so of my of my Saquon Barkley shares and the, the goal line that Matt Breida continuously stole over the last little bit. But uh, one that I'm pretty excited about to talk about, and maybe not necessarily for fantasy football, uh, but for the Miami Dolphins, I think this was a really good deal. We talked about a lot in the uh, matchmaker was who's Miami going to sign this big fancy toy. Are they going to go trade for somebody? Are they going to sign one of these big names in the free agency? Or are they going to draft somebody? Uh, they did none of the above. They just brought everybody back. And that was okay. why, why Miami was one of the big candidates for getting somebody because every one of them was a free agent and they brought every one of them back. And I think this was really smart because Miami got put in this position where it was just next man up and kind of like the San Francisco coaching tree where it's just the next, next running back up, next running back up. And they don't want to put all their eggs in one basket because if he goes down, your the chance of replacing them is pretty unlikely where they were signed where he mostered to a two-year deal 7.6 million jeff wilson two-year 8.2 million and miles gaskins to a one-year deal so they brought them all back and it's kind of for fantasy this is i'm going to give this a uh, i'm going to give this a c in a sense that it's um yeah you know what i'll i'll go a b i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, no, i'll no i'll stick with my guy i'll go c so i think it's a c in the fact that for Miami as a team, this was a really, really good deal. Like that for them to bring these guys back on the cheap side and it's kind of revolving door. They, they all kind of bring a similar attribute in a sense. Uh, and they're all familiar with the offense. They're all running the offense last year, but as a fantasy manager, trying to figure out who you want and who you're going to call your shot on the draft season is going to be very difficult and very confusing. It might be one of those situations where if you hit right, it's going to be fantasy gold, but if you hit wrong, it might cost you a lot. Like I imagine these guys are probably going to go somewhere in the, I'd guess probably six through eight round. Um, so if it's in the eighth round, it's the the investment isn't that high. But it's one of those ones where we've been saying it for years in San Francisco. If you have the San Francisco running back, you are going to do fine. And I feel like that's going to be a similar sentiment here with Miami. So uh, I'm going to give it a C. Miami, this was a really good deal for you. Uh, but for fantasy football, this is going to be a C. Um, Zach, do you want to talk about uh, your signing here? This one. This one, I was going to highlight this one to talk about, but I was pretty happy you jumped on board this one so I can share my two cents with you. Yeah, you bet. So um, Miles Sanders signed what I believe to be um, the the biggest free agent contract this season for any of the running backs. Uh, it is a four-year, $25.5 million contract. Um, and the reason why I picked this one um, – is because he's going to a team in the Carolina Panthers that just traded it away its primary offensive weapon um, in DJ Moore. And they're going to be bringing in a, a rookie quarterback with the 101 in April. So I see Sanders as being the uh, focal point of their offense, uh, at least to start the year, while they get this rookie quarterback up to speed 
um, with their offense and, and the NFL game. Uh, Sanders is coming off a career year, just shy of five yards per carry, uh, about 1,200 yards on the ground and 11 touchdowns. So uh, he produced when it mattered, uh, that being a contract year for him. And, and hopefully, for the Panthers' sake, Sanders can continue uh, similar production and really take the uh, some of the stress and pressure off of whether it's C.J. Stroud or, or Bryce Young uh, and allow him to just gradually take over that team. Uh, and, and sorry, that was an A grade for, for Sanders and the Panthers. I totally agree. This is a guy I just wish I had more shares of. I actually traded Miles Sanders away, I think, two years ago. And now looking at it, like, he has – not that I, do I think he is the skill level of Chris McCaffrey. No. But he's going to have every opportunity like Chris McCaffrey. He can catch the ball, and he is an explosive running back. We've just never seen him outside of a timeshare uh, or limited control in, in Philadelphia. So I, I'm super excited about this one, Zach, and I couldn't agree more with you. I think that's an A-plus signing right there. Um, going through a couple here, Rashad Penny signs with Philadelphia. One leaves, one comes back. This is an interesting one, too, because uh, Rashad Penny might be worth a little flyer. I know he's, he's never healthy and he, when he – when he is healthy, he produces. When he's not, it's obviously he's done for what seems like the remainder of the season. This one might be a little bit of an interesting one uh, replacing there. I know they did resign Boston Scott as well too, but Rashad Penny might be worth a little bit of a flyer in your um, later rounds because when he's on the field, he might be getting some of that goal line work. Uh, who knows what the Kenny, uh, Kenny Gainwell um, shares are going to be like, but a guy like this that's coming into that system it might be worth a little bit of a late flyer. Um, Chicago Bears resign, or sorry, they signed Travis Homer to a two-year deal. Um, more of like I guess he was kind of more of a, a depth piece slash special teams returner in uh, in Seattle. So we'll see what his role turns into in Chicago. But uh, mentioning Chicago, um, I, I picked this one pretty quick because this one caught me off guard, especially as a Lions fan. I knew there was um, negotiations happening with Detroit and with Jamal Williams, and. As a Lions fan, I was uncomfortable with what the numbers were being thrown around at Jamal Williams. I know he's a huge locker room guy and a, and a huge personality and a big-time leader on that team. But a 28-turning 29-year-old running back that has had, I would say, average numbers per carry but had a substantial amount of touchdowns because Detroit had an unusual amount of um, touchdowns within the five-yard line, which they – an incredibly amount of unusual numbers. So the numbers that were being thrown around at Jamal Williams was very, very high for somebody. I feel like that's not going to be on the team for the entire duration of the contract. Uh, when you could use some of that money and go get somebody better. Now, did I think Detroit was going to go out and make a flashy sign? No, I did not. But there is, if you pay attention to football at all, especially fantasy football. And if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you know, where I'm coming from, there seems to be this, like, I don't know, disconnect between Deandre Swift and this coaching staff. If you remember back to when DeAndre Swift was drafted, it was not this coaching staff. It was not this regime that signed DeAndre Swift. And uh, adding to that pile is the fact that DeAndre Swift has not been able to stay healthy. Um, they've been trying to use him between the tackles and he's just getting banged up, banged up where he does all of his best work outside the tackles and in the receiving game. So what's going to make this an a sign deal for me is the signing of David Montgomery, the three-year $18 million deal. 
David Montgomery is a substantial upgrade to Jamal Williams. If you spend any time on the Detroit Lions fan pages on Facebook and Twitter, they'll tell you otherwise. They think that Jamal Williams is the God's gift to Barry Sanders running backs here, but he's not. He's not. He's not Barry Sanders. He's not. David Montgomery is a substantial upgrade from Jamal Williams to uh, obviously David Montgomery. And I do think, I think it's very, very likely that the Detroit Lions are going to move on from Swift in the draft. I feel like there's something to be had, whether it's a trade up or a trade back and get assets or what's going to happen here. But I have a strong hunch that Swift is not going to be on the roster next year. And if he is, he's going to be used more in a third down role or, you know, like um, a second and long where he might be going outside the tackles. Um, that's unfortunately not why they drafted Swift. Uh, and I think it was the very, very early second, if I remember correctly. But unfortunately, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So you got to utilize the guy in an ability that's going to keep him on the field. So I think there's a lot of teams out there that still see Swift as this really high potential, really good running back. And I still see him that as fantasy as well, if he was healthy. But I do have this, this, you know, this feeling that the organization is planning to move on from him. And that's why they made this signing three year, $18 million for a guy that I think is a, a, a very good running back. So a plus deal here, I think for the Lions and for fantasy, uh, David Montgomery could have landed on some teams that uh, are not run first or are not a very good offense. Detroit Lions is one of the highest powered offenses in the NFL right now. And a team that really likes to run the ball, especially in the red zone. If you have David Montgomery shares, prepare for a lot of red zone touchdowns. So I, I like this deal a lot. A um, couple other small ones, I guess we can kind of go over here. Um, we got the, the Chase Edmonds deal to the for one year to Tampa Bay. He was cut by Denver, signed by Tampa Bay. Uh, John Foreman uh, signed a one-year $3 million. This is one of those ones with Chicago. I think they're just spending money to spend money here and uh, see if Foreman ends up kind of finding a spot on the team there. But um, another one that's obviously we talked about Jamal Williams. He left and ended up signing this deal with, with New Orleans Saints, a three-year deal. This one's a sneaky one, Zach. I'm curious to see what you think about this. We talked about it in the group chat a little bit. And the Elvin Kamara situation is not going away. A, he's, he's regressed significantly over the last couple of years. And B, he's going to miss time next year. This is going to be a four to six week um, is kind of the speculations of the amount of time he's going to miss. Jamal Williams, we've seen him be successful to Detroit, especially in the red zone. Um, he might be the only guy to be able to run the ball for New Orleans during that time frame. So this might be, it, it's, you know, it's early before draft season. Uh, but I think ADP wise, if you're doing basketball right now, that's a guy that I might be trying to sneak up and, and pick shares up because he might be that free square for a few weeks. And who knows, he might maintain that role as the goal line back in, in New Orleans. So I'm curious to see what you think about that one. <laughs> it's funny. It's going to be a, a Thunderdome of the two uh, greatest goal line backs in the NFL right now, uh, Jamal Williams and uh, uh, Taysom Hill. Like, who comes out on top for that goal line position? Um, but all jokes aside, I do I do agree with you. Um, Kamara has been on the on the downturn. I think we're seeing the the down uh, slide of his career, and uh, whether or not he misses any time, I think Williams is somebody that will really serve as a really good compliment and possibly surpass him on the depth chart before it's all said and done. So I, I do agree um, with both of what you said about Montgomery and Williams. I think Montgomery is an upgrade for for the Lions. And I think Williams goes to a spot in New Orleans where he really fits the need that they have and that they may have increase with uh, that forthcoming suspension. So for that one, I'll, I'll give that one a B. I think it's a sneaky signing. 
I think it was obviously, like you mentioned, to fill the need for New Orleans. And I think for fantasy, it's it might produce a lot of value late round, kind of like what Williams was this past year, late round or undrafted, but produced a ton of value. I think it's going to be about the same. So I'm going to give that one a B, a B signing. Uh, moving into the wide receivers here. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about uh, is the Las Vegas Raiders signed Jacoby Myers to a three-year, $33 million deal. And uh, I'm going to maybe kickstart this one and I'm going to cohesively put this deal together with the New England Patriots deal and the wide receiver uh, Juju Smith-Schuster to a three-year, $33 million. And a very similar contract. I know one, I think, has less guaranteed money versus the other. I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes down. Zach's going to give you the whole insight, uh, a little foreshadowing here for you in the uh, his ice cold hot take coming up here. But I'm giving this an F. This is my F deal of the, uh, of the offseason. And uh, I'm curious to see what Zach has to think on this one. But for me, it's the exact, it, theoretically, it's the same amount of money. Same player, same amount of money, same year, three years, 33 million. The New England offense is a very difficult offense to operate. There's a lot of times you've seen where the old veteran wide receivers try and sign on with New England. They go into camp and it's just like complete chess work. They don't know what's going on and then they never make it or they get cut or they release or they retire or whatever. It's a difficult offense to operate. and It's always has been. And when you have a guy like Jacoby that knows the offense and is an incredible leader in the in the locker room. And to me, Juju Smith, Jacoby Myers, who's a better wide receiver, I'm leaning towards Jacoby Myers. Whatever side of the fence you lean on, it is what it is. But Juju Smith has come off of injuries. He is not the wide receiver he was in his rookie season, his sophomore season, and he does not know the offense. And to me, I think Jacoby Myers is a better wide receiver. I think he's a more talented wide receiver, and he's a guy that was a huge locker room presence for the team and uh, understands the offense. So to me – giving up the exact same amount of money for a guy that you could have just retained that meant so much to the organization, I think was a, was a mistake. Um, there's other deals that, you know, maybe were, were worse deals for these guys that are probably not going to land on their team, but for the organization like nor uh, um, like new England, I think this was a, a big mistake. I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot now, Zach, cause I know you're going to talk about it uh, later on in the episode, but I, I think this was a big mistake not that getting Juju, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster was a mistake, but I think it was a mistake in allocating that dollar amount to a guy that you could have retained that was a, a monumental piece of the organization. So I'm giving that one. That's my my F signing of uh, of the 2023 season. Um, the next one here, we got Alan Lazard. Let's, uh, let's see what you got to say on that one, Zach. Um, so I am attacking this one with the the pen of a of a scorned teacher. Um, I... <laughs> I don't think this is a, a very good signing um, for the Jets. Um, personally, I, I'm somebody that uh, if if you kind of put the screws to me and you, and like, you kind of like force my hand to do something, I, I'm the kind of guy that's going to do it probably, but I want to really hold it against you. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with the Jets and with Rodgers. Um, if it wasn't for Rodgers bringing the band with him uh, from Green Bay, I don't think the Jets would have ever come close to a four-year, $44 million contract uh, for Alan Lazard. Um, I think that's a lot of money to give up for a a two, but likely a three um, option, a number three option on your offense behind Wilson and... Uh, uh, shoot the the running back there from from Brees last Hall. year, Brees Hall. Thank you. 
Um, that's, that's a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money, 22 million guaranteed. Um, so I just, I don't like the, the optics of, of Rogers being like, you, you have to get me these guys for me to come to you. Um, nothing wrong with, with Lazard though. He, he is a good player. Uh, finished the year with 60 receptions, 788 yards and, and six TDs. Um, but I, I just don't think that contract matches what he's able to produce. And the fact that Rogers is really putting it to the jets right now to bring in those pieces is, is, is I think kind of a, kind of a poor thing for him to do. And there was reports that Randall Cobb was getting interest from the jets and, it's only a matter of time before like Jordy Nelson and, and Donald driver and Greg Jennings putting the team on his back you know, sounds with the jets too. So yeah, uh, I gave, I gave that one a D um, not, not an F, but gave that one a D. It just seems so bizarre. Like that was not an area of need at all. And like they have Corey Davis who say what you want about Corey Davis. he could be a flop of a first round pick. You can say that, but he's become a very feasible wide receiver for that offense and a depth piece and a big body type guy. Like he, he like, that was not a position. And you got Elijah Moore who was a little bit of disgruntled wide receiver this past season, but was a high draft pick as well. Like that's not an area of need for them to put that much money into something just because you want to possibly bring in this. Like what happens now if Rogers doesn't come, you know what I mean? Like that's, it's, then you just buried all this money into a wide receiver when you need a quarterback or you need, there's other areas on your team you need to fail. But I, I see where you're coming from, Zach. I see you're coming. Yeah, you got to think one of those two guys gets moved, whether it's Davis or more. Yeah. Um, likely Davis, just because him and Lazard fill a very similar uh, niche on a roster. Um, but then again, more will probably uh, bring back a better return. Uh, in the trade market for sure. Well, it could, there's, I've already seen the rumors that uh, yeah, he's a he's a cut candidate and Corey Davis, but that doesn't mean Elijah Moore and I might not be on the move either here too, right? Like it's still no. the offseason is still very young and in a guy that's been like we said disgruntled this past season. So it's, a, it's the NFL's a weird thing, and when come draft season, draft season can do some weird things to some weird teams. So um, the Miami Dolphins talking about actually the New York Jets. Uh, they could not come to a contract agreement with Braxton Berrios. This is a real minor one, but he ends up signing a one-year uh, deal with Miami. I can see that one be very being very much a uh, you know special teams or a depth signing there as well. Not, not a lot to talk about, but this one was an interesting one. Minnesota Vikings end up releasing Adam Thielen, and then he goes on to sign on their deal. We talked about this a little bit, Zach, but this is one that uh, you wanted to kind of uh, maybe dive into a little bit deeper. Yeah, so Thielen is going into his age 33 uh, year. Um, and he signed a three-year contract with the Panthers. Um, it's interesting because you don't see many receivers play uh, late into their 30s or even into the middle of their 30s with, with much success. So three years, I think that's quite a bit, uh, uh, or rather quite the commitment to make to Thielen. But... I think right now at this point in the offseason, the Panthers may not have had many choices. Uh, they did bring in Chark, but I think he left without a contract. So I think bringing Thielen in for for this year, for one year, would have been a really, like, really savvy play by the Panthers. Um, somebody that even though over the past three years, his stats have dipped each of the years, is still a very serviceable receiver. 
uh, caught 70 balls for 716 yards uh, last season with the Vikings. Uh, and he could very well become, whether it's whichever quarterback they draft, he could become their best friend uh, for the rookie season. Somebody with reliable hands that can make plays over the middle and outside. Um, but I think the the term and the money that he was given makes this one a C for me. I think they may have overstretched a little bit for what they're likely going to see in return. This uh, this is just coming out of the left field. Not that I disagree with you there, but just talking about Minnesota here. Him leaving is such a, a vote of confidence for uh, TJ Hawkinson this upcoming year because it was two guys in the red zone. Who was going to get the touchdowns, Hawkinson or Thielen? That was where Thielen made all of his money last year was in the red zone. Uh, so I think this is a really good thing for TJ Hawkins in this upcoming year. But I don't know if you saw this. I saw it on Twitter probably about like a half hour before we started recording. Did you see the rumors that Minnesota all of a sudden became a front runner to get Lamar Jackson? It's, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I uh, There's a number of guys on Twitter that I, I get like the notifications when they tweet. And this afternoon alone, there's been uh, Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano uh, have both listed the Patriots and the Vikings as potential uh, Lamar destinations. Um, it may be a, a 306. Um, <laughs> no kidding. I just put that together. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. um, all I thought was just, please, like the, the Michael Scott meme, please, God, no, please, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, just when I think the division is up, not that I think like, okay, like Lamar not coming to Detroit, whatever it is, what it is, but don't come in the division. Like the division is up for grabs right now. Like it's sitting there. And if Lamar goes to Minnesota, that is not good. Like that is just not good for Detroit. Go, yeah. go somewhere in the AFC, like go to the AFC or Detroit. I, uh, I experienced that tilt uh, last year around this time where I, uh, I finished up period one at school and kind of peeked at my phone and I saw that Tyree kill was in talks with the jets and the dolphins and just full tilt. Like, no, the two please. teams. It doesn't matter. Just like, yeah, just, or, or Buffalo, you can't go there either, but like yeah. go somewhere else, go to like Tampa or something. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's just brutal. Um, two more real quick ones here and then we'll get into our ice cold hot takes. So this one's are the tight ends. Um, the one Robert Tunney, and this one was a bit of a head scratcher. Cause I know if you were last year, the tight end darling last late round pick was Cole commit. And then he struggled out the gates, but came on strong towards the end there. But, uh, the uh, tight end, Robert Tunyon, signed a one-year deal with Chicago Bears. So I'm curious on what type of, you know, double tight offense maybe this team is going to be looking at running this year. But And then the New England Patriots also signed uh, tight end Mike Gusecki to a one-year $4.5 million deal. And I actually, I kind of like this deal quite a bit for New England. Uh, they ended up, they still have Henry. They end up moving on from, um, uh, bear with me, sorry. End up moving mm-hmm. on from, uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Joni Smith. And now bringing in Gusecki, and he's not much of a blocker, but he has a very good receiving tight end, especially in the red zone. So just adding, a, you know, a bigger body and a, another um, capable wide, or receiving target, I guess, for Mac Jones. I, I didn't mind this deal, but obviously you as a Patriots fan might have a different insight. But $4.5 million is drastically less than what he was getting paid for on his uh, franchise tag last year. Yeah, this one was uh, some internet sleuthing by some of the guys on the Patriots beat um classic 2023 uh Gusecki followed Mac Jones on Instagram or they swapped the follows and Gusecki started following the Pats I think it was 
I want to say Wednesday, Wednesday night, all this kind of came out. And uh, from there, everybody speculated that this deal was going to get done. And yeah, sure enough, I think two days later, Friday morning, Gusecki put pen to paper. So yeah, here we are. Um, funny how that happens. I do agree, though. I, I do like this signing. Um, I think he'll end up being like a big slot more than a inline tight end. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Um, threaten the seams. That's great. Um, interesting. Uh, Bill O'Brien, the the new offensive coordinator for the Pats, recruited Gusecki, uh, coming out of high school to play at Penn State. So. Going back, there's been there's been some mutual interest between the OC and uh, the player. Uh, one thing that we haven't mentioned though is uh, around four o'clock today, I saw that uh, Schultz signed a similar contract, one year, nine million dollars with uh, the Texans. Oh, I did not see that. Well, he should have went to Chicago, or he should have went to uh, Cincinnati. I would have been right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I already yeah. got that one right. We won't tell them. Yeah, I think that that's like the only thing that either of you guys got right. So, oh yeah, we're off to a hot start here. I think I got the no, no, never mind. I was gonna say I think I got the uh, didn't I get the uh, quarterback one? Right? I think I got the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to Vegas one, didn't I? Oh, I'd have to, I'd have to check, but that, that I know that you guys one. you guys both got uh, Lamar correct. So good job. Yeah, that's <laughs> hot start. Oh. Yeah. Hashtag insiders. Um, talking about insiders here. Uh, big uh, big sponsor for the Three Hundred Six Fantasy Football Podcast during the uh, during the Super Bowl season. They've done it twice now for us, uh, and that's Fresh Air Experience. And the insider is if you're not familiar with Fresh Air Experience, uh, legendary sixty forty sale. It's the last week of the sixty forty sale. And uh, getting your hands down on there, whether, you know, you need a new winter jacket, uh, even some of the, the fall jackets are on sale. Uh, last year, during, they do it during the winter and the summer. I got my hands on some extra dicks. I'm a disc, disc golf player. Uh, so I got my hands on a couple extra of those for a nice little bargain. My wife went down there. She got a new jacket. It's uh, If you're not familiar with the 60-40 sale, I'd be getting down there and uh, finding yourself a nice little discount um, at Fresher Experience. They have bikes, uh, kayaks paddle boards, all types, more very, very popular uh, in the uh, summertime. A lot of people are finding their way down there, especially for bikes, but uh, they have the skis, cross-country skis, snowboards, all the all the above as well too. So yeah, if you're an outdoorsy type person, this is the, definitely the store for you with a lot of really nice clothing and apparel as well too. So find your way down there and catch a bargain during the 60-40 sale. And that's on Central Avenue in Prince Albert. Uh, they have other locations across the province as well too, but I'm not familiar with the 60-40 sale. And and to be frank, they didn't sponsor us, so the PA is getting the shout out on this one. So um, that being said, uh, we'll kind of uh, transition here. And our very first is supposed to be Armin, but just because of the uh, you know the situation we're in here, uh, Zach is kickstarting ice cold hot takes for the 2023 off season. Yeah, I think before you're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. All right, I'm gonna cut you off there, Zach. Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, out of practice here with the with the intro for the with uh for the ice cold hot takes. Um, I was gonna say before when I when I lived in PA, I think between uh, the grocery store and the beer store, uh, the next number one uh, place where my money went was uh, Fresh Air. Uh, spent a lot of money there. Good good customer service too. Good people, like really good people. You can get, find yourself in there for like a forty minute conversation, just visiting. Didn't even buy a single thing. You're just visiting. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a few times where, um, especially in the winter, I'd go try to buy a disc and 
would kind of start talking about, well, it's, it's kind of hard to throw and stuff and in the snow and I'd leave with like a Marin wool hoodie or some new socks too. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, without fail. That's for sure. Uh, so my ice cold hot take here, uh, as you alluded to earlier, um, goes a little something like uh, Jacoby Myers and, and Juju Smith-Schuster both received uh, similar deals. Uh, Juju actually replacing Jacoby in New England. Um, I think right now, as it stands, both players will be more impactful for their new teams than they were uh, for their previous teams. So even though Jacoby was a very uh, impactful player during his time in New England, um, he didn't offer much in regards to big plays, especially not with yards after uh, the catch. Uh, Juju, I think, is going to be a more athletic, a more dynamic player with the ball in his hands for the Pats. Uh, and he, with that said, he's going to really provide a upgrade in Yak. Uh, last year, Smith-Schuster had 465 Yak yards, while... Uh, Jacoby only had 236. Um, that put Juju good for fifth in the league in yak yards. He has somebody that can get the ball in his hands, uh, either behind or just past the line of scrimmage, and, and he can make plays with it. That wasn't uh, Jacoby's game. Uh, maybe that's why I like Jacoby so much, because that <laughs> that was my game in high school, catch the ball and fall down and try to pick up an extra <laughs> yard. <laughs> um but uh, I think Smith Schuster is going to bring something to the Pats offense that they haven't had since Edelman, um, which will hopefully make the life of Mac Jones quite a bit easier. Um, now with Myers, um, I think Myers will provide the Raiders with a over the middle, just steady Eddie chain mover. Um, and for Myers, I think it's going to be nice because for once he isn't going to be getting the the other team's number one corner or the, the premier attention of the uh, defense. Um, so I think there's a chance where he could really have a, a nice little season, especially now with Waller gone as well. Um, no longer will he be getting the stud corner or uh, help over the top with the, the number two corner. Um, all eyes, as long as Adams is still there, all eyes will be on Adams. And I think Jacoby will be a nice safety blanket for Garoppolo. That's uh, he's going to replace the um, oh, his name's escaping me here. Third, third and Renfro, or we used to say Hunter Renfro, I think. Yeah, so it'll be interesting what uh, Hunter Renfro's you know situation will be coming in there because I kind of see the same. Obviously, I shared what I think of Jacoby Myers, I think he's a very good wide receiver, so it'll be interesting to see what his role will replace in Hunter Renfro, especially with the leaving of, of Darren Waller. Uh, there's definitely a hole to fill there for, for that team moving forward. Yeah, as soon as uh, as soon as Myers signed in Las Vegas, all the Patriot guys on Twitter were like, oh, "There's there's McDaniel's, uh, Edelman and Amendola from like the the mid uh, 2010s. Like both those guys play similar positions, but if you both have them, if you have them both run option routes, uh, Jimmy G should be able to pick apart some offenses or pick apart some defenses." more than likely pick apart his own offense than, uh, than some defenses there's exactly based <laughs> yeah. on the trajectory of his, uh, his career so far um anything else you want to add here zach or this one? i know there's a lot of this isn't the most you know fancy or luxurious or you know, you know uh entertaining maybe to the point of episodes where there's just a lot to cover 
uh, when that first little bit of free agency. I know this is definitely one of your favorite times of year, but anything you want to add uh, to the episode before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, just uh, I think this next month leading up to the draft should be lots of fun. Uh, we saw this weekend Cooks got moved, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's two or three uh, more kind of trades like that coming down the pipe, especially with these uh, veteran receivers. So hopefully one of them ends up in New England. Yeah, there's still two big quarterback sagas to conclude, whether that be Lamar Jackson ending up somewhere or or signing that um, signing that uh, one-year deal, I guess, or the franchise tag deal. And then obviously Aaron Rodgers could still be on the move. We have uh, Austin Eckler that possibly could be moved or signing a deal. I kind of foreshadowed or hinted at something I think Swift's going to happen. So there's a lot of time between now and the draft and even during the draft that some some fun stuff might happen. And this is, you know, for most people that play fantasy, it's the draft and the season itself. But if you're a dynasty manager, this is a really fun time. Uh, Maybe if you're just an NFL fan and you're just listening, but this is a fun time because there's a lot of stuff happening and a lot of speculations on where guys are landing, how this is going to impact your team, your division, your team's chances, uh, dynasty you're trying to create those buy low sell high w- type windows you know and and it's going to build your franchise or your team moving into the upcoming season so it's a lot of fun for us i know i'm uh, chomping at the bit to get everybody to pay up their fees and so i can start getting into the uh, dynasty trades here i got a couple lined up already with uh, high risk high reward kind of thing moving into the season but um that's going to do it for us for episode number 83 here and our uh, free agency report card um, shout out to Armand and his fam jam. They're hoping everything's moving smoothly for them and things are well. And, and we can see him back on the podcast here in the next two weeks. And obviously thanks to Zach and thanks to you guys at home and our, on our sponsors this week as well, too. So take care, everybody talk soon. Episode number 84 dropping soon.